0: Welcome to the Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukh Pavia. Happy weekend, folks. Uh, This is episode 21 of the Three Good Podcast and uh, quite excited this week. I have another guest on the show. And uh, a new guest. Um, so, hello, Ryan Tamasebi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm um, very good, thanks. Very good. Looking forward to a weekend. How about ah, yourself? Yeah, oh, I'm very looking forward to the weekend. Actually, what we didn't talk about in the pre-call was, I've got tickets for the finals for the ATP finals in O2 on Sunday.
1: I saw you tweet about that, Suk, and I just tried to ignore all of your tweets about tennis tickets and going to Wimbledon semi-finals and things like that. It's not worth building up the <laughs> so I am looking forward to the weekend because of that, so that's going to be good stuff. Um, In stark contrast, I've been roped into um, taking my two boys to see The Grinch at the cinema. Um, and by roped into it I mean they asked me if I would take them and I instantly thought of the pick and mix and popcorn and said yes so (laughs) that's uh, quite different to what you'll be doing over the weekend
0: well I'm sure at some point I'll uh, well I think my kids have said to me that they need me to take them to go watch Wreck-It Ralph part two Ralph Breaks the Internet so uh, I'm like yeah okay uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you and I are both <laughs> Disney fans, so I'm like, yeah, I can do that one. That's that's not a problem. That's not a hard yeah, it's, choice. Yeah,
1: it's funny. It's it's funny how it changes. It's me showing the kids the trailers for Toy Story Four and Dumbo <laughs> and being like, we are going to see this next right. year rather than waiting <laughs> to them to come across it and ask and ask me. But yeah, you and I are big Disney fans, so it's probably no surprise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that so on today's episode um Ryan and I we've known each other for a couple of years now and uh, and we've just been talking quite regularly about lots of things actually around well-being mental health Um, and Ryan it might be just helpful for people to know uh, a bit more about your background and how you got into the world of what we do now
1: around this topic yeah, absolutely. Uh it was right, it was 2012 um that I uh, started my first proper role as a, in within the field of of occupational psychology and that was working for um Robertson Cooper who are um Kerry Cooper's Um, spin-off company which is very much focused on health and well-being um, and resilience and uh, with a little bit of crossover into broader kind of areas of cultural change and and employee engagement but it was very much focused on health and well-being um, and talking to organisations about moving away from just that kind of reactive almost occupational health type approach to to rehabilitating people when uh, when they're experiencing symptoms of, of ill health. To getting organisations to think far more strategically about, you know, well-being and how they can create that environment where their employees are feeling happy, motivated, and thriving, really. So that that's what I've really, um, be, really been focusing on for the last six years. But I think yeah. what's really interesting for me personally is um, I had very much had a professional interest in in well-being, of course, through that role, but actually it was through my own experiences. Um, with mental health over that Mm. time particularly around 2015 that really made me start to see it in a very different way but actually say to myself do you know what this is something which I need to dedicate my career to I need to dedicate my career to helping um, organizations and and people really start to think about health and well-being in a very different way yeah Uh, so uh, first of all thank you for starting
0: to be um, Open, you know, kind of immediately, and off the gaff with this about your own mental health and how you um, and what that's meant for you. Uh, so, if you don't mind me asking, what what kind of mental health challenges did you face? Uh, yes,
1: um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm always uh, I'm I'm always going to be open about this this kind of stuff, and I feel like you know it's. Um, it's interesting I, I, I um it was a conference a couple of years ago that we had um a good day at work conference uh, conversation and we had alastair Campbell there speaking about um you know how we can create parity between mental health mm-hmm. and physical health and one of the things he said which really really stuck with me was that mm-hmm. it's um people will often say oh you know how brave of you to open up about your um you know your experiences of depression or yeah. you know, anxiety or something like that and what Alistair Campbell was saying that actually even though you know it's with the, we're saying that with the best intentions that in a way actually reinforces the stigma rather than yeah. breaks it down yeah. because to say it's brave of you to talk about you know experiencing ill mental health is um, you know it should be no braver than kind of saying you know you've hurt your knee because you, you know you fell over playing football last night and, you, and that's why you're walking around with a limp so so actually that's something which I thought myself you know I, I really do need to 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 open up and if I'm talking to organizations about this. I need to not think that it's, you know, it, is, it does require bravery for me to, to talk about this. When I look at it, I don't believe that what, happened, what has happened with my own mental health challenges has held me back, either professionally or personally. And right. I think that's something which makes it more important for me to, to talk and use the platform that I can use to, to talk about that, because my feeling is that that's one of the biggest things which holds people back. The mm. fear that they have is that they're somehow going to be negatively judged in their careers or by their friends, for example, if they talk about this kind of stuff. So, what happened with myself was that when I um, took this first role in in, in business uh, as a business psychologist, obviously right. I was very excited. It's it's what I'd studied at university. I'd um, i had been working in my um, my father's business, which which was being passed down to myself and my brother, but um, right. it wasn't the life I wanted. I wanted my own career. So to get this opportunity to go and work for Kerry Cooper and work for that organisation and be in that world was so exciting. Yeah. But it meant I had to move away from my wife at the time and and our and our um, our firstborn Blake. Um, they were in Newcastle, but we had that conversation about you know this is going to be better for us in the long run. You know I'm going to have a job which um, I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also going to have more time actually in the long run to spend with the family because I'm not going to be working those unsociable restaurant hours. so, we did that for this, for the first six months um, when I, I found it difficult being away from them um, yeah. I, I, I was quite homesick. I started to suffer from um, some some really weird um, physical health symptoms, which I believe was psychosomatic by right. uh, in terms of the cause it, because it was kind of just two or three days after i'd moved down to Manchester. I started to experience it for the first time, but I continued to battle away at work. I really wanted to show them you know what I was worth and, and the value I could add to the to the business, and after six months, they, um, which was the kind of the trial period, they offered me a full-time permanent role there, so that was a case of selling the house in Newcastle, we bought a new house in Manchester, and moved down, Um, and just five days after moving down, my youngest um, um, son, Finley was born, so there was a lot of stuff happening, you know, in uh, in in all on all those different areas of life um and the pressure was kind of building there um and obviously you know uh, so you, you'll know yourself having uh, having uh, having a family and having a, a great family is that you know you need a support network around you don't you you need family you need friends and and moving to manchester kind of took that away from us yeah. And particularly with my job being one which required me to travel not as much as a, a maybe a typical um, a, a traditional consultant that like you would imagine, but still maybe those one or two days a week where I was away with work and train delays mean you get back half an hour later than you promised you you would get back for, and it just started to put a strain on myself and 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 Nicola's um, relationship,
0: mm. and.
1: I recognized it quite early and tried to sell the house and move us back up to Newcastle. But unfortunately, you know, the the nature of the development we bought in, it was really difficult to sell. And it wasn't until 2015 we were able to get something through and move back to Newcastle. Right. And, um... It was only 12 days after we bought the house, and I was down in London um, for work. I was getting ready to, 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 to speak to a um, uh, pitch to a, a, a group of directors for a big hospitality company the next day. And I called Nicola to, to have a chat with her and just check in. And I could tell that, you know, and that's again with health and well being, I could tell that just the way she answered the phone and said hello that there was some. Um, and in anyway, you know what, what what it ultimately led to was a conversation where she told me, you know, the love wasn't there anymore, and 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 she'd be moving out with the kids, um, and they wouldn't be there by the time I got home the next day. And of course, what happens there is you catastrophize. You know, right. I'm alone in London, in a hotel I've never stayed in before, and all of a sudden the mind goes with uh, full of thoughts of, you know, you, you're you never going to see your kids, your kids are going to grow up thinking you don't love them, right. all these kind of things which are just, you know, irrational thoughts really, and, and actually when I look back on it now and I think about how good a bond I've got with them, um you know, it was it was crazy for me to be thinking like that, but actually it was all just pressure, it was all just in my own head pressure I was putting on myself and I remember doing, a, I, I didn't tell anyone at work, uh, mm-hmm. I just um, I sat up in my hotel room all night and I went to do the presentation um, the next day, um, and I, it was a two-hour session, and after an hour of it, I called a five-minute comfort break, and I remember going into the toilets and just crying, breaking down and crying for about five minutes, drying my eyes, and then going back in and doing the second-hour session. Right. Um, and. You you know from 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 um, our conversations so that I get quite kind of passionate about yeah. the work that I do, but I also have a sense of um, uh, I, I, I hate to feel like I've let people down, and I yeah. felt like I was nowhere near at a hundred percent during that session. And obviously, you know, then you start to get down about yourself and your performance, and I start to think about you know, mm-hmm. have I let have I let Robertson Cooper down by not putting in a um, a good enough. Um, a good enough kind of performance to to, to help um, secure that, that that work for them. And, and I remember um, I left the, the the colleague that I'd I'd met up that that morning, uh, and I went down into Leicester Square uh, Tube mm. Station. And I remember as the, the 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 train was coming in, the tube was coming in, and you feel that blast of air, and you can hear the you can hear the the tube coming. I remember turning away and looking at a poster on the wall, um, because I was convinced that I was going to jump in front of it. Right and 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 the poster was for We Will Rock You. Okay. The yeah. Musical. Yeah. And I kind of remember every single little bit of detail about that poster. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if you know, even I'm no good at art, I could probably draw it. <laughs> yeah. Um, just just from memory because that's how vivid it was. Um, but that's a feeling I've never had before. Yeah. Um, and it was an overwhelming one. Mm. And I learned a lot in that moment about how quickly. Things can change, and how, in 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 the heat of the moment, or just in that one moment, depending on all that situational stuff. Mm. You know, it just takes that split second. Um, and and I, and I came very close that day.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I don't think I've ever come anywhere near as close, and I hopefully won't ever come anywhere near as close in the, in the future as that. But mm. it told me a lot about myself, and that even though I'd considered myself to be quite a resilient person and, and, and just continuing going forward and, and always doing my best at work and, and things like that, that, you know, there was a point for me where it all just became really overwhelming. And, and what did I do at that point? Did I speak to my friends? Did I mm-hmm. call work colleagues? Did I ring my mum? Yeah. <laughs> that most people would often, you know, get yeah, mum yeah. on the, the, end of the line if they could. Um, no, I didn't. I locked myself away from from everybody um, completely. And, um, consider taking my own life and yeah yeah scary I think that's scary because anyone anyone who knows me knows how extroverted I can be knows how much I love talking to people you'd probably Mm -hmm. be able to tell by how I'm I'm talking you through this story but you know that's why I'm a chatty person and for me um, as soon as those thoughts all that negativity came into my head and I wasn't able to push it away I didn't go to talk to anyone about about it, I just let it consume me. Um, And so, you know, there have been lots of things I've learned about myself through that, But Mm. lots of mechanisms and almost strategies I've needed to put in place for myself moving forward to make sure that that doesn't ever happen again.
0: Right. Okay, that's, uh, I mean, that, (laughs) no, (laughs) Ryan, look, I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's a powerful story and there's, there's uh, so first of all, I want to uh, just express um, how much I appreciate you being here with me now to talk about this. I'm very pleased that, yeah, I've said this to you uh, on, uh, when we've spoken about this previously, I'm very pleased that you didn't take those steps um, that would have um, taken things in, uh, in a very, very different direction, right? And I'm very pleased that you're still here with us today and that you yeah. uh, you continue to survive and also have learned how to thrive in some respects as well. Which I do want to talk about, um, but I, if we can if we can just hang on just with that for a moment, mm-hmm. there's there's quite a lot there as well. I also want to express appreciation for you being open about how it affected your marriage and how yeah. it affected what you thought was going to be your relationship with your children. Um, and I, I have a particular angle that I think I just like to ask some questions around. And that's, that's around um, that's around. I. Um, do you in your opinion from having experienced this and also from um, what what we also start have started to realize over the last few years do you think there's something here as well around um, the way that men are meant to um meant to behave and meant to uh, kind of live up to some kind of social standard which gets in the way of being able to have better health and better well-being you know so you described that you know the first few days of having been away from the family you immediately started to feel that there was an effect on you but you didn't have the right kind of support network around to help support you in a better way is there something there around as a man you're supposed to just man up you know you're supposed to just swallow it i can get through this that kind of stuff
1: i I definitely think that's the case, and something really struck me this morning um mm. uh, and it's it's something i have seen before happening in in my in my son's school um but it, it given given that we were having this um scheduled uh, conversation today mm. uh I thought it was really timely for this to happen so i men- I mentioned on our um on our pre call that um my my youngest is is unwell uh, at the moment so he's he's with his mum. And and my eldest, I I was uh, walking him into school, and he was visibly sad. Yeah? yeah. So the reason he was sad is is because he sees that his his younger brother is going to get to watch um, movies and and <laughs> cartoons and um all day and get cuddles off his mum, whereas yeah. he's going to be at school having to do maths and reading and <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and things which he doesn't see as being uh, being as much fun. When he was standing in the school line, um waiting for the for the for the teacher's whistle for them to start um, walking in he started to cry yeah and i could kind of i'd i'd given him a hug and i'd kind of started to to, to move away and walk away you know he, he's got to that age yeah. where you know yeah, yeah. schoolyard is is kind of very discreet yeah uh, so i started to move away and i could see he was he was you know the bottom lip was going and his um he started to cry and the, the boys that was, the two boys that were stood in front of him and the two, two boys that were stood behind him instantly went up to him and put their arm around him and said, what's wrong? Wow, and started cuddling it. Yeah. And I've seen that happen at school, I've seen that happen at school before, uh, yeah. at their school before when, um, you know, they have those, um, um, stay and play or reflection days, whatever yeah, yeah. it might be and i remember being at one but you know because the time of the day they put them on with working parents not everyone's parents can can have the flexibility to be there for every single one yeah. and i've seen before where it where it, where a little boy was was crying and there was all of these adults around and and we were kind of looking and thinking well that's not our child do we do mm-hmm. we go in but before you even get the chance to think about it the other kids were going over and saying no come on come with me you know putting their right. arm around so this idea that 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 you know we um, learn this behavior or we we learn this kind of social expectation um to okay. to to kind of say actually, this is not right, you know we need to man up as as you mentioned um mm-hmm. to just this to ourself and keep going on what what I start to think about is at what point do we learn that yeah okay so 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 kids. Kids will straight away, they, and, you know, we see, we see these experiments not just around, like, health and well-being, but just the way in which kids interact with each mm, other and, mm, and problems compared to, you know, chief executives, how they would cha- tackle it, for example. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Often they don't have all those kind of social constraints about maintaining status or wanting their ideas to be to be heard the most and stuff like that. But it's the same with health and well-being. Kids, they yeah. will really quickly seek support from from their 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 friends and they'll offer it as well so at what point during the education system or what point or is it during that point you know what where, what I guess what i'm getting at is where is it that we actually learn this idea of yeah. manning up yeah, yeah, and is it yeah. actually something that's generational that is um, we're not breaking almost the, the the cascade down from generation to generation that actually you know this is what's expected of guys yeah or is it that we're just learning it through, um, you know, th- th- through later times in school, or as we go into university, or we start in the world of work? I'm, I'm, I, that's one of the things I've been really trying to, 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 to think about: is where is it that we actually start to, to think? Do you know, it's better, or it's. It, you know, it's it's the, the right way about this is actually not to go and talk to people or not to go and ask someone, are you okay, as soon as we notice a slight difference in someone.
0: Yeah. What's
1: right is that we should actually just keep our, keep focused on ourselves and just keep our feelings to ourselves. And I think if we can identify where that happens and what, and what the main, um, almost the main cause of that, for want of a better word, that's mm. when we mm. start to put some measures in place. Yeah. Um, I, great starting point is to um, to talk more about well-being explicitly in yeah. schools yeah 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 I think without that it's going to be really difficult to change the the, the, the the culture around health and well-being and and how it's perceived yeah
0: it's and it, um, I, I think it's, it's a great point that um, you know I remember over the summer I think it was we were at my um, we were at my in-law's house and they were my brother-in-law was having a um, uh, he, he sometimes hires out at like a bounty castle for the garden type thing. So we had all the kids around, and my boy, uh, one of my boys, um, he got really, really angry at his cousin because he thought his cousin had called him names, and he thought his cousin was like, you know, point like making fun of him and that. So he came away and he was he was crying and he was really angry. And so I went, I was like, Let, let's talk about this. What happened? And, he, and he's really. Uh, struggling to tell me what's happened and he finally told me and I said alright look this is what we're gonna do we're gonna go and talk to him and he went and we went over and I I spoke to the cousin I said hey look this is how um, your cousin this is how my son's feeling and immediately and I didn't know this was gonna I didn't know how this would go immediately his cousin just gave him a hug and he and he shook his hand and he said I'm really sorry I didn't know that that's how you felt come on let's go back into the bouncy castle and let's go have some fun and then my son immediately his he immediately he any negative anger or any negative feeling or any anger he had it just went in that moment when he got that hug and he got that handshake and he said come on let's get into this and let's go have some fun i'm really sorry it immediately dissipated and it was great to see it it was great to see that 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 they were comfortable enough that they could allow that to happen with each other. Mm. But I think you're right. There's a certain point at which this this, this is, there there is a a rhetoric and a narrative which really does get built up. And you know, a few weeks ago, bloody Piers Morgan's at it with this whole kind of papoose thing. And um oh, his, uh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, yeah. with the whole was it? Uh, I want to say Daniel Craig. Right? It was. It was. It was Daniel Craig. You it know, with the, his child yes. in the in the papoose. And, yeah, you know, he's making fun of him for that. And, you know, I go, how in the world is that a healthy thing for you? To, like, I can't. somebody else, it was Chris Evans, the actor, yeah? He said, uh, you know, imagine being so insecure that you have to attack someone else's attachment to their child, a man's attachment to their child. And, he, and then you go, absolutely, right? How insecure do you have to be that a man is doing something healthy and loving for their child, but someone else sees that as some kind of level of weakness or some level uh, of, um, I don't know, absolutely. femininity or something or some, something other than, uh, it's not what a man does.
1: Like, mm. Come on, really?
0: How, yeah. how, how are we there?
1: What, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, and guess what, you know, so, so if, if I go back to the, the, the separation with, with uh, from the boy's mum, Nicola, um, and she's a fantastic mum and we get on really well and, and, and actually, you know, it's at that point where you know I must have lost a sense of my own identity and who I was around the time, and um, that led that led to, to to us breaking up. But now we're in a we're in a really good place and almost like you know friends who've who've gone right. separate ways yeah, right. but are still united by a very strong love and um, uh, for our children and a mutual respect for one another. But actually. Right. If I think about what back then, um, all of a sudden I'm um, a single parent with a, a one and a two-year-old, who I have two or three nights every week. So you can imagine that my role as a as a dad went from the stereotypical comes in after work, has a bit of tea and do, maybe does bath time and and helps sing sing a couple of songs to put them to bed. Yeah. All of a sudden that becomes um, the full parenting, almost. Um, uh, you know. For doing the the stereotypical mum role, okay? right? Yes. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're you you're from 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 morning of a of a of a uh, or from the afternoon of a Friday finishing work until Sunday evening, get everything you know, feeding, washing yeah. clothes, um, um, taking them out um, to soft play, and doing all the stuff during the day, making sure they've got breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just everything, all the absolutely everything um, that 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 single mum would w- would need to do, and. In terms of what I've learned about myself and the, or, or even forgetting about what I've learned about myself, because yeah, it was difficult at first, but now looking back on it, I wouldn't swap it for the world. But it's that, that experience that you get to have with your children, the closeness that you get to have with your children and that bond. Um, and now, you know, I'm, I've been at the point where I've, I've taken them away on, on holidays, um, a couple of times a year over the past couple of years. Right. Um, a couple of times that's been just 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 on my own, or maybe my mum's come along, and yeah. you know I spend so, so much amazing quality time with him. And what does that make me less of a less of a man than 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 um, you know Piers Morgan, who might you know he might just do that kind of Saturday afternoon with his with his with, yeah, with, yeah. with, with a child. You know, it's it's for me. I find that the closer that you can be with your children, the more love you can give them, the more of a man that makes you. But also, mm. I think, uh, you know, more the more you can respect um, the mother as well. Absolutely. Because you actually really understand just how much hard work and how much dedication and love and commitment goes into it. And if if Piers Morgan wants to have that view on things, then I think that's a big shame. But, but like you um, alluded to, mm. the platform which he has... And the followership, the 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 the, the exposure and the outreach which he has, yeah. it just sets us back. It really does. It sets us it sets us further back. Um, yeah. And we we need to be getting um, we need to be getting more role models like you know um, Daniel Craig. You know maybe we can get James Bond in the to the twenty nineteen <laughs> film to to, to 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 wear a papoose. <laughs> yeah, 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 that'd be fantastic, right? <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is stuff like that which actually does have a really profound effect on how people think about well being.
0: Yes. Um, i think another
1: example i saw on social media was um was a um a, a british um kickboxer or mma fighter he, he created a huge stir i think it was last year um, right. saying depression was um you know that was just weakness and that okay. people people found it the easy, the easy choice. And I'm sure some of your listeners will be able to remember yeah. um, who the person was and what they were saying um, in more detail. But he was essentially saying that, you know, people choose um, to say that they're depressed because they're lazy or, you know, they right. they don't, the, the de- dedication and determination and that, you know, the best thing you can do if you're feeling depressed is to just, you know, that idea of man up, go to the gym, you know, yeah. uh, be self-healthier and fitter and, you know, um, these comments really don't, they don't do a lot of good for people. Uh, And I think it's easy for these people to sit behind a computer screen and and, and, and say those kind of things and not have any idea at all of the the impact that it has. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I agree. And it's, um, you know, I I think,
0: Come back to something you raised previously about the work that you were doing with uh, Robertson and Cooper and the the work trying to help organisations try and get more comfortable with talking about well being, yes. and it becoming a more regular topic helps to normalise it and it help it normalises it in a way where people can really start to stand up to that kind of attitude and say, yeah, that's just your opinion. Actually, the healthier thing to do is willingly and openly talk about well being in a way which helps us to live a a more uh, well, a more fulfilled life where you are able yeah. to be able to acknowledge these things. I just want to come back also something um, that you raised um, about your experience of uh, of depression and how it affected you and the um, mm. the uh, the thoughts it took you to. Mm. So um, you you seem to be in a much better place today. Um, yeah. How what kind of things have you had to do to allow yourself to be in in the place that you are today compared to where you were then? Um
1: that's a really good question. Uh I, I spoke to um I went and had uh I think maybe had four or five sessions with a with a counselor um not long mm-hmm. after um that that experience. Um but for me that was just to um explore some of the, right. those feelings that I was having and to maybe just get a, a, an external perspective from someone who is a complete kind of neutral and, and doesn't know you and, and doesn't know um, Nicola and doesn't know anything really about, about my life and is just hearing me talk about my feelings. Um, but but essentially what what, um, what I did was um, I did start to um, look after myself more physically um, and okay. So I did start to, and uh, you know, you and I have had the, the occasional exchange on Twitter about the Pilates and the, and the going yeah. to the gym. So you will know yourself that that is um, it, it's that's a big uh, it's a big help. Um, yeah. So kind of getting myself into a place where I was I felt healthier from a physical point of view. Yeah. And you know, I'll spend time during this talking about the links between physical and psychological health because I think we're way past the debate around that. We know the yeah. two are interlinked. Um, so, so looking after myself physically, eating more, um, um, sleeping uh, um, uh, more routine times, mm. uh, going to the gym more regularly were, were all things which really helped. But actually, um, uh, spending more time with friends and yeah. family, yeah, yeah, so okay. Um, okay. that 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 really helped as well. Um, and you know, it was something which um, I I didn't do enough of when I was in yeah. Manchester, as I mentioned. So I think being back home did help maybe more more than I actually realized at the time just being yeah. back in my, um, my the place I would call home um, really helped but but actually I think it's just being being slightly more aware of of your thoughts and your feelings and what mm-hmm. I mean by that is if you know so so often I'll talk to organizations about it's 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 what what you need to, to, to try and do is build this and create this this culture where people have that feeling of permission to not be at a hundred percent all the time yeah so if if I feel myself having or, or if I ever felt myself having a down day or a day where I wasn't quite you know I, I, I was feeling a little bit low mm. I would have that conversation with someone uh, about it so usually usually you know a boss or yeah. um, you know, a, a friend or a colleague, and, and and I've always been quite fortunate in that I have worked in roles where which have allowed me to be really flexible, um, and you know, work from home if I need yeah. to, or you know, um, take a de- take takes take a morning off and then kind of catch up on that work later in the day. And um, I posted something about that on LinkedIn um, uh, just the other week because I had I've right. been having. Kind of thoughts of you know um, that reflection point where I thought to myself, I'm I'm 32 years old and I'm I've 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 got to um, to, to 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 have experiences at work that I never dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, managed to, um, to 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 have quite a lot of development and, and progression mm-hmm. um, through kind of different opportunities at work, but also through the, the things like you know kind of promotions and moving into different roles. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I mentioned at the beginning, I don't I don't really feel like it's held me back in any way, but I was having this reflection of how have I managed to do that whilst kind of having those struggles with mental health at times but also yeah. by, but, but also managing to have such a positive relationship with my with, with my children having so much quality time with them
0: mm-hmm. and actually
1: I think half of that is um, the, the, the the kind of unwavering kind of commitment from me to make sure that I dedicate the right amount of time and effort to those two aspects of my life right for me that wouldn't be enough if i hadn't also had the other 50% which is the permission from yeah. an organisation from uh from uh, 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 bo- bo- my boss at the time so um uh Robertson Cooper always fantastic with me and really understanding and and um, right. you know at the time that uh, I, I experienced that with uh, that episode and i and i talked to my manager at the time she gave me time off work um, Yeah compassionate kind of fully paid leave to, to go and kind of do what I needed to do was all she said you know you, yeah. need, you need to do what you need to do for your family and then actually in the, in my role up in an in-house role with the, with the building society in the northeast again you know mm. the HR there said to me your your boys are your life you know so you need to make sure that this role fits um, around them so you know whenever you want to, to go to things at their school whenever you need to do, go and do the school runs that's absolutely fine and then here at Hive as well
0: Mm-hmm. It's,
1: it's the same. It's the same. I've got complete trust um, um, and respect from mm. from my ears and, and also the CEO here um, to, to do to do what works for my family first um, and make sure that work fits what I need to do um, for the boys um, nice. rather than the other way around. Yeah and what that does is it only helps me with my performance at work. And that's it's an important message because, and it sounds common yeah. sense, but a lot of organisations do struggle um, to to kind of grasp that, and they look for a a policy, yeah. a flexible yeah. working policy, or you know this one size fits all answer to to, mm. to 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 what flexible working should look like, and actually it's it can look like very different things to different people. Yeah. Um, and and I and I think I've been very lucky in the in the places that I've worked have always allowed me to um, to have that balance. Nice. And there's some great points
0: you raised there, um, and it makes me think of the work that um, the I think is the CIPD branch in Manchester have been doing around um, exploring what well-being and uh, flexible working really means. And yes. You know, it shouldn't just be restricted to parents who have children. It's also in the broader sense of, you know, if you have caring responsibilities or if you do have mental health challenges that you do need to be able to, you know, we have sick leave available to us and sick leave is is acceptable. We are allowed to have sick days off. We don't have to be in the office. um, And. You know there's also you know tech these days allows us to be able to have a lot more flexibility in working from home and we know that when we can allow people to do that it's massively helpful as well mm-hmm. um, I, I love your examples there that your managers have been really supportive that's act I mean that the privilege of that kind of position is is pretty amazing um, and yeah you know, in a very fortunate way I've also experienced some very very uh, mm-hmm. supportive managers as well um, mm-hmm. and what I fully recognize is that there are there are several <laughs> Times I've met people who are who don't have managers who are like that who don't have managers who are that understanding who can allow you to be able to have that time off without turning around and saying oh well you better make up the time or you know creating a barrier to doing it again or even doing it in the first place where you just yeah you know, if you hear that kind of um, comment come afterwards then immediately your thought is well I'm just not gonna do it then I'm not I'm just well, I, I, well why would I take this time off if, if I if I'm being um, pressurized into having to work harder in order to prove my worth that there you go that's your return is because i gave you the time off and now i expect you to do more
1: well that's not the balance that's not the equation here that needs to be figured out yeah absolutely and and i and i one of the most powerful things i read um recently was actually a blog from um uh from from someone we both follow on 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 uh, twitter which is, is neil morrison yeah. and and his post about um, which, which had focused on this idea of sickness policy and if if Neil listens to this i I'll, I'll apologize if i get if I get anything wrong but I remember um, reading his blog post and it was about the um, the increase in prescriptions of antibiotics because yes. and prescribing people where they they don't necessarily need them but it is it, it comes from this idea of everything you've just said there that you know taking time off sick is it's not accepted, or it's going to lead to the individual suffering from a financial point of view, or they're going yeah. to be perceived as the one who is not as committed as as the person who's got, you know, 100%, uh, right. um, you know, presenteeism, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and actually, what, what the point he was making is that, you know, what that'll lead to is um, a build-up of, of kind of resistance to those antibiotics, really? and what it could, you know, eventually, that uh, comes to um to to, to to kind of premature death and things like that so yeah, actually yeah, when yeah. you read something like that and you read that the impact that we have um through having a really outdated um old school and fundamentally wrong sickness yeah. policy inside yeah, our yeah. organizations yeah. the actual impact that it's having um at a, at a at a societal level and a global level um so again apologies Neil, for uh, you know you can you can um uh, kind of put that far better than, than than myself, but I I think it's a blog post well worth reading mm, um, because mm. it really does it, it it does it hits home and and this stuff is about trust this stuff is, is about is. yeah absolutely this is. Stuff is trust but it's also about genuinely wanting to create a better work experience for people yeah and just wanting work to be a better place to spend time um and you know trusting people that you know they it's this move from from parent-child to adult-adult cultures where, yeah. you know, if someone wants to work from home because they feel like they're going to be more productive at home, then, you know, do you trust that or do you think that they're going to kind of Sky. sit and watch... Um, yeah. yeah, sit and watch Jeremy Kyle. And yeah, then, yeah, oh, <laughs> You know what, it's... it's um, but then but then the other side of it of course as well is with with technology which we've um we've not touched on yet is um how we how we make sure that technology doesn't have a um a negative uh, impact yes. on people's uh, health and well-being because we're social beings and yes technology yeah. gives you the opportunity to connect with people far quicker and far easier than ever before but there's nothing that quite beats um face-to-face time yeah. so i can see you right now um, and you can see me yeah. but there's, it, there's just something missing from kind of being together and in the same room with people, and I think, you know, it's really important that people understand um, the, the, the opportunity and that, that, mm-hmm. and the potential of, of having really healthy um, uh, dynamics within teams where they're spending a lot of time together yeah. and they're working on things together, and that collaboration, I don't think can ever be quite as strong through technology. Um, so I think it is a balance, isn't it? You want to give people the opportunity to be flexible, you want to use technology to make things yeah. easier for people and easier for businesses, but we need to not lose that kind of essence as, of of who we are as, as human beings, and we are very social, and um, we need to build relationships with people, we need to be around people we enjoy being around. Yes. Yes. For me, coming back to your question about what's made the biggest difference to my health and well-being yeah. over the last few years, it's being around people that I enjoy being around. Yeah. You know? Being around people who, when I talk about things, mm. they don't judge me. Mm-hmm. They um, they don't think that um, you know they can't talk to me the way that they would talk to other people because right. you know, I'm, I'm sensitive, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I must be more emotionally sensitive than other than other people, so it's none of that stuff. Um, yeah. So you surround yourself with people who you can trust and who you can be yourself around, and nothing will have a better impact on your health and well-being, in my in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it's a fantastic point, and it's
0: something I personally realised that um, a couple of about six or seven years ago. Um, I, I was in a circle of friends where I felt regularly pressured by that group to have to be a friend in a certain way, and if I wasn't being a friend in a certain way, I wasn't. I, I had to often kind of justify my friendship to to them. Yeah and at a certain point it came to a head and i just i I broke away from that that set of relationships um but with one of the friends like we we actually became better friends out of it because i've had in time in 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 recent times i've had more honest conversations about the impact of what they were doing their Mm -hmm. expectations on what they thought i should have done and how i couldn't meet that and it just wasn't a healthy place to be Mm -hmm. and then um, what I also realized is that I wasn't spending enough time to your point exactly. I wasn't spending enough time with people who just accepted me for me. You know, who allowed me who allowed me to be as I was without judgment, without criticism. Um, and I enjoyed their company, they enjoyed my company. and so now what I do is I try uh, where possible to have at least one evening a week where I'm I'm spending that time with somebody like that. Or I'm talking to them in in the in my week, so that I know that I, I know that I'm cultivating those healthy relationships, yeah. uh, as well as letting those people know that they are important in my life and that I do value having them as my friends and as people I can trust to have those really really important conversations
1: with. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 yeah, I totally agree with all of that. It's so important. And, you know, I've had those experiences myself where, you know, being a, being a, a parent of of two young boys, and there were lots of times where my friends were going out to do social things, Mm. um, you know, whether it be on a weekend or whether it be on Christmas Eve, all going out to the pub. And I'm like, guys, you know, I, I've got got my kids, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna sit and watch Miracle on 34th. (laughs) And then yeah, they're yeah. going to go, and I'll probably crash out um, after I've tried putting together their scale electrics, or right. you, know, their, yeah. you know, the car, the the, the, the the racing car track, or whatever it might be that I've got them for Christmas that year. And you know, it's it's a it's a very. Um, I think my closest relationships are actually with people who are uh, in very different stages of, the, of their life. You know, my two yeah. best friends are um, around the same age as me, um, no kids, right. Um, they've got, you know, they they, they therefore have that uh, more freedom to go out and do what they they want to do on weekends, and yeah. um, they can maybe go on more holidays without having to think. You know, if they want to do a tour of the states for four weeks, they could do that. I would yeah, never do yeah. that. Be away from the boys that long, but they they never judge me negatively because you right. know I'm I'm always saying no to social plans or I'm not I'm not kind of available um, to 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 do stuff or catch up as much um, outside of work. But but one of the things I've noticed with my closest friends are they're the ones who they want to sacrifice doing some of that stuff to come into my home and nice. into my family circle yeah. and really get to know people, two little people who are part of me now. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the that's the difference for me personally. And, 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 and you know, obviously it's, like you say, you, you know who the right people are for you to spend your, your time around. I think mm. one of the things mm. I've I picked up on in some of the stuff you were talking, and almost kind of looping back to how we, at the very beginning of the conversation, where you were talking about men and this expectation and how we kind of break this um, kind yeah. of, you know, this cultural idea of, you know, men need to just man up and not talk about things. And, yeah, and one of the yeah. things I often... Uh, talk about inside organizations is this idea of the of, the, of, a, of like a wellness paradigm so this idea that right. in, in in people's heads they the traditional sense of 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 wellness is that you're not ill yes. so you don't have any signs or symptoms of illness and when you do, you'll then go to rehabilitate. So whether that's getting a sore throat and going yeah. to the doctor, whether it's kind of breaking a leg and, and getting a, a plaster put on and uh, plaster cast, or if it's something psychological and you maybe go for occupational health, you go and see, um, you, might, you might have some counselling, you might go, you might go um, to, to Mind Charity and use some of them, their, their resources, whatever yeah. it might be. That's reactive, it's rehabilitative. And actually, what we need to get to as individuals and organisations is looking at that kind of growth um, raising awareness, that education piece around what we're actually talking about with 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 um, health and well-being and positive psychological and physical well-being. Mm. And I think the, the example which really brings that to life for people is the Movember example. Yeah. So you yeah, know, yeah. good example to use in the in the month that we're in. But the, yeah. those guys build a really good relationship with them over the last few years, and I, I'm I'm you know in awe of what of what they've done because. You know, if you go back to maybe two thousand and three, two thousand and four, when they first started, since that point of getting the the guys to raise mustaches, and then it's kind of evolved, and it's also about getting people more physically active. They're yeah. now looking at them well-being from a psychological kind of mental health in the workplace point of view. You know, their their whole stuff about raising the money for growing a mustache was all about getting men to have more conversations about their bits and bobs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Talk about your health. Go to the go to the doctors earlier. Check yourself out. All of that stuff. And they raised a lot of money. About I think it's about three hundred and fifty, four hundred million. It's probably um, beyond that now. They've raised right. over that time to put towards cancer research. Yeah. And what that's done from a physical health point of view, the survival rate for something like testicular cancer is just rocketed and is up. You know, nearer. Yes. Uh, it's kind of 90, what 98 percent, maybe even higher now. So that's game-changing. It's it's totally yeah, transformed yeah. something like that, and 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 it truly is game-changing. But also they they've generated around two two and a half billion conversations amongst men worldwide. Yeah, but but all through the, all through that movement, and that's the stuff which is really going to change things at a cultural level and the societal level. And now the big thing for them is about suicide prevention because yeah. they recognize that suicide is most prevalent in young men. And some mm. of the things which they're doing is is really about what we've talked about. It's how, what, what can they do to normalize those conversations? Mm. What can they do to, to make people feel far more comfortable having those conversations, both reaching out for support, yeah, but also um, showing and being there for someone who you recognise is, is 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 suffering. And actually, um, one one really bit bit of interesting um, data I saw recently from some of the some of our own um, data at Hive mm-hmm. was that we were working with an organisation and they'd asked some questions about um, um, emotional well-being, Okay, and they'd asked two questions side um, by uh, one after the other, where the first one said, "So th- these were statements which people had to." Um, um, Uh, to answer how much do they agree with this statement okay the first statement was I feel comfortable talking to someone about my personal well-being yeah right the second item was I feel comfortable talking to someone else about their well-being yeah okay The, the the scores were significantly higher for the second question yeah but that was consistently across the organization so if you step back and think about that, there's a load of people across an organization who are comfortable talking to someone else about their own well being, but they're all sitting there as individuals, not as comfortable talking about their own Their own. Yeah. Yeah. So what you've got is the culture inside the organization where people are saying, Well, I'd be happy to talk about them, about their well being, but not about my but, own And that yeah. person's thing, Well, I'll i be happy talking to you about your well being. You know, so it's it's that kind of stuff that it really hit home to me that people people are happy to talk about well being. Yes. People are happy to talk about it. People want to talk about it. Yeah. They just don't have the confidence. They don't have the language. They don't have the framework to, to anchor those kind of conversations around, as well as some of those kind of social norms and expectations, which are perhaps putting that pressure on, which has led them to feeling that way in the first place. Yeah. So so, so, so I guess what? Where, where I'm coming to with that, what well, my point is around that, is that actually what we're trying to do is to just create that sense of permission. I don't think we need to educate people as much as we think about why it's important to talk to people about your health and well-being. I think people get that. I think deep down, people know how important it is, that, that how important their health and well-being is. And yes, you'll have those individual differences where some people, um, care more, might care more about others. But fundamentally, people are do want to be there for others. And we create the environment that unlocks that. Um, And and I come back to what I said about the the, the kids. You start off more than happy to talk to people and be there for one another, show kindness, show love, show gratitude, show appreciation, show respect, all of that stuff, Mm. because that's who we are. And then, as we get older, and as we have all of these different experiences, as we go into the world of work for the first time, or even before that, you know, we have started to create that kind of, um, almost like that learned helplessness as well around our well-being. That you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is just something I've got to deal with myself. And then you, you might battle through it, and then the next time you start feeling down, well, I've still got to just stick to it myself. As well as those kind of expectations that it's just not acceptable to to talk about it. So. Um, we need to kind of figure out what it is that is you know what it is that's creating that what, what, what's, where, 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 what point are those kind of barriers starting yeah. to come up what point are we starting to kind of have that impact on children as they're growing up to make them kind of rethink and almost like rewire their their brains to think well actually what I'm doing and the way I'm acting is not right mm. and I need to change mm. sh- because it you know and that might sound very simplistic but that's what it is isn't it it's yeah, you know you it is. you are you, not um you're not reprimanded in any way for it when you're a child in fact no. it's encouraged yeah, yeah yeah exactly when, yeah yeah and 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 his cousin had that experience yeah um you would have been proud you would have been so I proud was to see yeah like you said it really hit you you got you you know you saw it so at what point are we kind of saying that's you shouldn't have done that yeah you should have had a fight about it or <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it. exactly yeah yeah why don't you I go hit him back or something yeah it should have led to you and your brother or your brother-in-law having an argument about, you know, why is your kid said this to yeah, my Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's, you know, that's what you see all too commonly. So, uh, I, you know, I think there's there's so much more that we can do. Mm. But I must say, being someone who's worked in this area mm. and has a personal interest in this area, I can notice how much different the conversations are, both in terms of the quantity of conversations about health and well-being, but also the quality of them as well. Yeah. So I think we're making really good progress. Um, I just think it's going to take from a, from, from a kind of cultural change a true behavioural change point of view I think it's going to take a fair bit longer and like you say we just need to do as much as we can to, to keep a kind of a positive wave of messaging around this that will help kind of reinforce that change Yeah. and try and get less of the Piers Morgans and those other examples where yeah. you know we're almost seeing the, the negative view of well-being reinforced
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah
1: no, it's a, a
0: really great bit of thinking there from you, Ryan, across uh, across um, some real um, range of stuff there. Um, the, the piece I just want to come back to um, just briefly before we start to wrap up is um, there's somebody in our network, a, a gent called Lloyd Dean, and he's been doing a lot of work for Movember actually in raising, uh, raising the profile of how to help men understand more acutely how to look after themselves right uh, so get comfortable because i'm just going to talk about balls for a minute and uh, <laughs> you know it's it's so you know what the key thing that movember talk about in terms of testicular cancer is that men have to check themselves in the shower and i'm going to be a bit more graphic than that you have to hold your balls in your hands men and you have to know what they feel like and the best way to do this and there's some great um advice on this as well is when you're in the shower is when they're going to be more relaxed they're gonna hang down a bit more naturally that's when you should copper feel get a hold of them get to know what they feel like and if you notice anything different if you notice any kind of firmness or any kind of growth or any anything which is what you would see as not normal that's the point at which you need to go to the doctors and say I've checked myself something isn't right can you please help me to do some further investigation that is the right thing to do and so hopefully um, I we, we've shared a bit here that can also help with uh, uh, potential kind of advance notice of there might be something there to check out um, but I agree right the Movember foundation are doing some and, and, and there's a lot the, the, the funny thing is that there is a fair bit of cynicism about oh but it's just a moustache and to your point right if you're encouraging Two billion men to have a conversation about testicular health, cancer, suicide prevention, mental health. Come on, there's a lot of right stuff happening there.
1: Uh, against any kind of cynical approach you might have to that. Absolutely, I mean, there's a huge, there's a, yeah, I totally agree with that. And there's a huge wave of of um, support and 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 really a kind of authentic. Um, you know, commitment to changing the, the way in which people think about health and well-being, you know, even, you know, uh, with the, the you know, the princes, um, getting behind it and looking to set up their own kind yes. of well-being. Um, yes. organisation, charity and the, and the support that they've put um, around around charities which have then been um, kind of the chosen partner of the London Marathon and things like that, it's all yeah. building awareness and it's really kind of creating that movement and that's what it is, It's the more conversations yeah. we create the bigger a movement it becomes and the more it becomes accepted and, and the more it becomes the norm and I've, I've heard some fantastic people talking about that and sharing their own experiences um, uh, uh, with, 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 with ill mental health, you know, Johnny Benjamin is has been a, a huge um, uh, inspiration to me, and I, and I think the whole the whole space in terms of you know him talking about that experience of of um, uh, you know att- attempting to take his own life on Waterloo Bridge, and that became right. a, a yeah, yeah, yeah Stranger on the Bridge. I'm sure some of your listeners will have seen it. If they haven't, I would yes. really really recommend watching it. It's really powerful stuff. A conversation can save a life. Um yeah you know and it 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 can it, it it really really truly can one conversation, one interaction with someone you know if you see anybody at work, if you notice any of your friends who um are slightly different are slightly less um talkative than they usually are mm. um slightly less bubbly mm. on a Monday morning and wanting to tell you all about what they did at the weekend, you know if there's absolutely anything you notice in anybody it you know it could be absolutely key, it could be life changing if you just have that conversation with that person, Absolutely. Um, it's that, hey, are you OK? You know, but 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 often often what we do is with a hey, are you OK? What we need to remember is the person who responds. They might say, yeah, I'm fine, but they might not be. You know? yeah so, yeah yeah you know, we need to we need to just continue to look at ways to kind of have that conversation and really show people that we're there for them and we genuinely care for them you know um, let's start asking more kind of it sounds so simple to we'll start asking more open questions with people you know really mm-hmm. make sure we get to know the people we work with yeah. um uh, you know as, as, as well as we know the people outside of work so that we really do get to know who they are and we create that sense of trust and respect between one another that we we're, we're happy to have those conversations and um, the last thing I would say is just, you know, be that change, you know. Don't wait for someone right. else to come yeah, talk right. to you. Don't wait for someone else to tell you about the great conversation they had with someone else about their health and well-being, you know. There's so many great role models out there, and, and, and I believe anyone can become a, a, as good a role model for this. You know, you don't need to go through an experience that That's I've through. Yeah. You don't need to work in the fields that I work in to be a passionate advocate for 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 health and well-being. Um, you just need to be willing to kind of stand up and 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 do what people have almost kind of challenged and said we shouldn't do for too long, and that is to just have conversation with people. Um, and 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 I would always say, you know, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. Um, if anyone ever wanted to have a conversation with me to ask me questions about my own experiences if they just wanted to reach out and have a conversation with someone about health and well-being in generally mm-hmm. uh, in, in general sorry or if they just wanted to have a conversation with someone who they feel would be willing to listen then I'd be more than happy for anyone to get in touch with me um, and I would hope that they would they would do the same for me and for others as well that's great that's fantastic um, I
0: mean your, your open offer there is, is, is very welcome Um I have Uh, and so I I think this is I think your messages there are a good place to kind of just bring things together as well Um, so it just leads me to say I really appreciate the conversation Ryan yeah I really appreciate you being open about not just your own experiences but also just having a really good open honest conversation about well-being right and uh, you know from two men talking about this also I think that makes a difference in the world as well of Hopefully people who listen to this will realize that there is a different kind of conversation happening out there around this topic. And the more we do it, the more it gets normalized. And like you say, the
1: more it gets accepted. It's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much you could talk about, couldn't there? You could almost talk for days about all the different yeah. kind of facets of health and well-being and all the different kind of ways to start approaching it from an organizational point of view as well. But um, certainly it's a bit of a, a bit of a starting point and having that initial conversation around fundamentally, you know, how should we be thinking about health and well being? Um, yeah. And how can we start just driving that change and being that force for change? Um, it's been really, really uh, good to talk to you. And as I said, so, you know, um, I'll always be open about my experiences with it and um mm. you know, it, it it's been of no detriment to me. It's only helped me in, in all walks of life to be to be open then um uh, than, than, than to shut myself uh, away and, and try yeah. and keep things bottled up so um, if that inspires anybody to, to 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 be more open if that helps people um kind of normalize their own feelings in any way or if that just helps people think about health and well-being in a different way then yeah. um, you know i would love to i would love to hear that i would love to think that that's the case um so i appreciate you um inviting me on to have a chat with you and i'm sure we'll catch up soon maybe we can grab a beer sometime in london oh, and... yeah uh, to continue having a conversation about this stuff. Be good to see you. You too. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan.
0: Take care. Peace. Thanks.